Hey, real quick, I just wanted to let you know that Gabba Gabba Hunt is now a record store. Well, not really a store, but a booth at an antique store located in Eastridge Mall in Gastonia, North Carolina. Vintage Village is three stores down from Dillard's on the left. And my booth is on the left side of Vintage Village. It's the one with all the records. You can't miss it. I've got over a thousand records, toys, t-shirts, DVDs, VHS, all kinds of stuff there. So come check it out. Gabba Gabba Hunt Records and Vintage Goods located in Vintage Village at Eastridge Mall, Gastonia, North Carolina. You are now listening to the Gabba Gabba Hunt Radio Podcast featuring the best Carolina punk, alternative, hard rock, and heavy metal from the past 40 years. Your host, Mike Phillips of Van Huskins. What's up? Hey, man. How's Let's it going? See. Pretty good. Let's see. You got, you got video or? Yeah, let me see if I can actually turn it on. Usually there's like a little there we go. camera icon or something. Yeah. Cool. There. Yeah. Then I'm looking at you and all that good stuff. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> so how are you doing, man? Doing pretty well. That's I don't know good. that we've actually ever met, even though like we swam around in that same pool for God knows how many years. I was kind of thinking the same thing earlier. I was I was trying to remember if, if we had ever actually like met and i'm sure we, we probably played a show together at one point oh, you know i'm sure yeah and so i'm, I'm sure saw that, each other shows and i'm sure that we've met but we were probably just never really you know that well acquainted with each other yep it's just yeah, been, yeah, and yeah. that's been so long ago too that i mean you know that was 25 yeah. years ago and that's that's or, or longer i'm trying to remember that was like i i actually joined so-called band in like 2003 2003 okay so okay yeah uh, right when um, Destroy Me came out, when Loeb's left. Yeah, that's and that's about the time that we came back and started playing again. So it would have been around. You know, we, we, yeah. uh, we may have, or I don't, I'm not sure. <laughs> but like you said, kind yeah. of swam I mean, around each other. Uh, I mean, the scene wasn't very big. I mean, you know, so I'm sure we were pretty you know, hanging out together, just not really. Yeah, hanging and, out together. And a lot of times, I start thinking about those dates. And I'm like, I don't think those dates are right. Like <laughs> when I start spitting mm. out years, I'm like, I don't, I don't really remember exactly when that happened. Yeah, I, I actually meant to go back and look back and see like when, like what day, what year records came out and stuff, so I could refresh and just day got away from me. <laughs> yeah. But I, I was talking to, to Ryan McGinnis earlier. He's got another book coming out, and I, I just hit him up. Oh, cool. a couple of weeks ago, I was like, "Hey, man, you want to do another podcast?" And so we talked, and and I we were supposed to do it at two o'clock. I'm like, that gives us plenty of time. But you know how Ryan likes to talk. <laughs> um, <laughs> do I ever? You should be in a van with him. <laughs> but uh, so we were going to do about do do about an hour. We had some technical difficulties getting started, and so that that put us back about ten minutes to begin with. And then we just we got to yeah. talking, and it was all real casual. And then I'm like, man, we need to get to some stuff. Before I knew it, it was like. I recorded an hour and a half with him. I'm like, we were planning on doing like 45 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> so then I'm like, I, yeah, need a, that seems right. I need a break after talking to Ryan. I love you, Ryan, but I need a break after talking to Ryan. <laughs> yeah, tell me and so I was like, let me take, I, let me I take feel... about 10 minutes. And uh... <laughs> yeah. Is he still in Texas or? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He is. Yeah. We, we haven't really talked much. Um, just, you know, but yep. you know how it is. Like if you're in a band with somebody, your brother's forever. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and speaking of breaks, I mentioned a break a minute ago. If you need to take a break at any time, it's it uh, very possible I have to go I to the mean, bathroom at some point. I've got this giant tall boy that I yeah. may eventually have to leak out. But I'm, I'm drinking a Arizona sweet tea, and it does pretty much the same thing to me. Actually, nice. I, a few weeks ago, I decided I was going to stop drinking so much, and like I went to a show yesterday and went and saw my buddy at Common Market. And I had a couple of beers at Common Market, and then went to the show last night and had one beer, and that was it. Um, uh, did you go to the Baroness show? Yeah, yeah. That was it was yeah, awesome. Yeah, that looked sick. It was very good. Uh, but yeah. So when I'm sitting around, I'm usually drinking these because, like, I guess having it in a can like this, it kind of replicates drinking beer. <laughs> yeah, but, I drink a lot of non-alcoholic stuff. Like, I just go back and forth. Like, yeah. I just use that to regulate. So yeah. I, I, you know, we actually, I finally today found uh, the non-alcoholic Guinness in the uh, in the nitro cans. Okay. So I'm pumped to try those out. For me, it wasn't as, as much even about, because a lot of times, like, I drink at home just about every night, but sometimes it'd be like mm-hmm. three or four beers, and I never would even get really a, a buzz because I drink so slow. But for me, it was yeah. basically, I, I just started looking at health reasons and, and, like, trying to cut down on sodium, and luckily yeah, these things absolutely. hardly have hardly have any sodium in them, and, and it's also convenient because I, I can make my own tea, but <laughs> I can yeah. buy these, and, and again, the little can <laughs> kind of replicates drinking beer. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, you put in a koozie, just like... <laughs> but so that's that's what I'm drinking on today. <laughs> right on, right on. I've got uh, 
peanut peanut picante uh, Modelo. Hmm. It is a pineapple and and hot chili. Sounds interesting. <laughs> it's not bad. Yeah. I don't know that I would try it, but <laughs> I mean, it, I wouldn't have bought it if it wasn't just in a single. Yeah, but yeah. since I could get a single for three bucks, I was like, "Well, oh, how bad could it be for three bucks?" That's, that's probably not bad. <laughs> it's probably not bad. <laughs> um. Anyway, we can we can kind of get get started here. Yeah, um, cool. So today I'm talking to Kevin Gavigan, and you currently play in a band called Pink Flamingo. I mean, not Pink. I always want to say that Plastic Flamingos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody does. Like, actually, last night we played in Winston, and um, I think that's the first time nobody said Pink Flamingos yeah. for the entire show. <laughs> it just. I was telling somebody about doing the podcast the other day, and I, and I and it slipped out of my mouth. I'm like, no, it's not Pink Flamingos. It's Plastic Flamingos, yeah. and I know that. Well, I keep joking that we're gonna dress up Brian, our singer, as Divine, and just throw him out there. <laughs> I figured I wasn't the only one that that, that happens to. So, oh, yeah. but you you play drums for, for uh, Plastic Flamingos, and yep. you, you guys have a new release coming out soon, and we'll talk about that. You know, yeah, at, cool. you know, towards the end of the podcast. But as I always like to do, I kind of like to kind of get an idea of where you got involved in music as a kid. Like, what was one thing about music that that kind of stood out to you when you were a kid? Um, my mom always had the radio on, mm-hmm. like, and it was always like old, um, soul music or, or like early heavy metal. So like yeah. Zeppelin, um, you know, all those bands. Uh, so like, it, and it was a weird mix. Like it would go back and forth pretty quickly. And that's kind of how my style developed was just always having just like this weird mix of, you know, like Marvin Gaye and then Black Sabbath yeah. on like right after it. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's pretty. Um, co- that's so, pretty common. I mean, really, especially yeah. amongst musicians, and and I think you know most musicians do tend to listen to lots of music. You know, not just one specific genre. There are those people. Yeah. There are those people. But. Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I've, I my taste is all over the place. I mean, I love like Ethiopian jazz, mm-hmm. and I still listen to a ton of soul music around the house. But yeah, yeah I mean, I'll definitely throw on some some metal or whatever. When the, when the time is right and oh, the yeah. mood calls for it. <laughs> I listen to a lot of metal, but um, it's just, you know, I go through my phases, too. So I also listen to a lot of country. Oh. oh, right. Yeah, that's like the one thing I don't really I don't really get into. But I think it's, again, it's just kind of, it's not something. I grew up in upstate New York, so it just yeah. wasn't a part of, like, what we listened to. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, I'm sure it's... if I would grown up down here, like, I would probably listen to a lot more. Like, yeah. every once in a while, like, I'll throw on a Janet Cash record or I'll throw on a Merle Haggard record. Um, just to mix it up, but outside of that, no, I don't really, uh, yeah, I don't really yeah. get too much country. Now, was music a pretty big part of your life when you were a kid? Just, I mean, did you listen um, to a lot of music, or was it just? Yeah, yeah, I definitely always had like I was that kid who had a, a Walkman at a very mm-hmm. early age and just like walked around with you know hair metal in it at all yeah. times. I was you know like probably from ten on. Yeah. But I didn't start playing until late. Like, um, I tried to pick up instruments. Part of it was, like, we were broke. So, yeah. like, getting an actual instrument was not really on the table <laughs> for me until, like, I got to my teenage years and could kind of afford it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started my first band, it was kind of just as we just... Somebody was like, "Hey, I've got this drum kit for fifty bucks," and I was like, "Sure, I'll start playing drums." Yeah. And you know, we we met some people who were playing, so that's kind of I just like fell into it more than anything else, and it kept me out of prison and from being <laughs> dead. So yeah, um, you know that's <laughs> I can totally relate to that story because this sort of the same thing happened to me and, and my buddies. It was like I ended up having a guitar because I wanted to learn to play guitar, but I just I got it and never learned. And then one night, me and yeah. my friend were like, "Let's just start." let's just start a band. We got these instruments here. My brother had a drum kit and we started playing. And then it's like, let's play with some real musicians and got our friends that actually knew how to play to play. And then it just, it just evolved into this thing that became a super big part of my life. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, it was funny. I, um, I started off as a singer, which if you've ever heard me sing, um, there's a reason I still play drums. Um, (laughs) but like I didn't have an instrument. So like I started out and then the band very quick, we were in like, I think a, probably freshman year of high school or you know maybe even middle school Mm -hmm. but the drummer in that band left his kit at my house for like a year okay he just wouldn't come get it yeah so i was like so i started to learn on that and then like he finally came and got it and then it was like probably two years after that that i actually got my first kit yeah because like then yeah it was like that like my friends my friend bought a bass and we're like hey i'll get a drum kit 
and then somebody offered me up the drum kit. And then, yeah, the two of us were terrible together for a little bit. <laughs> and then we found two ridiculously good guitar players who were willing to just put up with us. Okay. Now, now stepping back, that first band that you were talking about, what, what did you have a name for that band? or? We didn't, actually. We yeah. didn't even make it that far. <laughs> okay, yeah. Just decided to try to play music, and it just didn't really work out. Yeah, I mean, we had, you know, we were all really young. The drummer, his dad had been, like, a touring musician, so, like, he could play, mm -hmm. and no one else could. Yeah. Um, and you saying, but, what, what, what kind of music was it? Uh, we were definitely, so it was early 90s, so, I mean, we were listening to a lot of, you know, like, A, a hair metal, or, mm -hmm. you know, like, coming out of that, but yeah. I grew up in about that time I was living in Florida so like the Morris Sound death metal scene was humongous for us okay, so like yeah. we listened to death and morbid angel and DSI and like yeah. all that stuff um so like we were trying to replicate that but with zero talent yeah. at all <laughs> yeah. that's the kind of it music like, that you have to ha kind of have to have talent to play <laughs> oh, oh 100% and it was just like hey let's just grab some power chords and play as fast as we can and <laughs> it was you know it was it was atrocious um but it was fun yeah. um and it kind of gave us all i think the taste because yeah. when i fi when i finally started my first real band um the bass player from that original band, who I'm still friends with, um, he ended up being our singer. Okay. What was his name? Um, uh, his name was Troy. Okay. Um, and it was it was a band called Closet Heterosexuals. We were not particularly good, but our claim to fame is that our guitar player was Oscar Isaac, who is now in like every movie on oh, Earth. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, a Star Wars, a Star Wars actor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's now currently Moon Knight. Um, but yeah, I mean, he is a sick guitar player. Yeah. Um, you know, like he, I think one of his early movies, like he played a little bit of acoustic guitar. People were like, oh, Oscar can play music. I was like, no, he can really play. <laughs> um, like when we met, he was doing like he was learning a uh, classical guitar and like he can shred a guitar. Mm -hmm. I just wish he would more. Yeah. Now, are you still in touch with him or have been in years? A little bit. Years? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we message every once in a while, but he's busy. Oh, yeah. As it, as it turns out. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine so. He's, he's in a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, we and we, I've got really close friends that are still tight with him. Um, we just, you know, I moved out of town um, right when we all graduated high school. And, you know, there wasn't Facebook for those few years. Oh, so yeah. everybody kind of went out with their thing. And then we all kind of reconnected again. But. So, and what kind of music were you playing in that band? We were kind of a post-grunge, pre-emo uh, sort of situation. Okay. Like, there was definitely a lot of, you know, that uh, Seattle sound, but with a lot more screaming. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you can actually go, you can find the, the original demo we did is up on, a, I think it's Reverb Nation if they haven't taken it down. Oh, it's probably still um, there. There's a lot of stuff that's still yeah. there that people have forgotten about. So yeah, I, I'll yeah. find it and I'll play some of it on here. Yeah, it's it's actually, it, I've gone back and some of it is just absolute garbage. Um, <laughs> but there's a couple of those songs that I'm like, these still hold up kind of, yeah. um, especially for all of us being, you know, between 15 and 17. Yeah, yeah. There have definitely been things that I've gone back and been like, ooh, that's cringy. <laughs> but I, I, I would stand behind those demos. We recorded them in a garage on a four-track. Um, yeah. The ones that are up, I went back um, and like dumped them into a DAW and cleaned them up a little bit. But, yeah. I mean, it still still sounds like it was recorded in a garage on a four-track. <laughs> yeah, I've got my, my first band, The Style and Johnny Appleseeds. It's all up on Bandcamp, and that's that's what I did. Is I just took it, once I got it digitized, I digitized it, and then I just cleaned it up as best I could and put it out there. And yep. and that stuff, it, it stands up. I mean, there's some of it I listen to, and I'm like, uh, yeah, it's a little cringy, but but, but most of it, it's even, <laughs> yeah. even, even that stuff, I'm like, I'm actually really amazed that we did that at that age and, and just being a little crappy punk rock band that taught ourselves how to play. Yeah, and I think the only reason like we kept um, Oscar and Adam, who was our other guitar player at the time, like was Tim and I were hustlers. Mm -hmm. Like we were garbage players, <laughs> but we could we could hold it we could hold it down enough that like they could play on top of us, and yeah. that was about it. 
but we were the two who would just like go out and just talk to anybody, mm-hmm. put stuff together. We were, you know, at 16, 17, we were renting out a Lions Club and throwing shows and, you know, having a great time. Our scene was really weird because as we were coming kind of up, Marilyn Manson got signed out of Fort Lauderdale. Okay. Um, Jack Off Jill was getting kind of big. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, we played with Nonpoint Factor, who are now Nonpoint. Like, they would come and play our Alliance Club shows because <laughs> they were just friends of friends. And yeah. then we had uh, another band called the Groovniks who ended up signing. And that, unfortunately, for, you know, just like metal was doing this just as they were getting signed. But yeah, they yeah. were a good band. It was it was a weird time to just like be in a band, right? Because like at that time there was no internet. Like you mm. had to literally like call people on the phone in another town and be like, "Hey, you want to play my show?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and like if you wanted to give book a show at a club or something, you had to actually send a tape in the mail to them oh, so yeah. they could hear it, and and then yeah. call them to follow up and, and hey, can can we book a show? Uh, you guys need a little bit of work. <sighs> well, let me call the next place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, like, we we had a club that we played a few times, and then it closed down, and then we played Fort Lauderdale a few times, and then, you know, we were just like, let's just do it ourselves. Yeah. It'll be more fun. That's, that's how we started. We were like, well, we can't get a show. Let's book our own show, or let's, let's throw, throw a show mm-hmm. at the Armory. We did that, and then, yeah. then, then we started figuring out how to get a show, and it was just, you know, a matter of finding the right people that wanted to give us a chance. And it was yeah, absolutely. Uh, but in the meantime, we weren't going to sit still and not do anything. Right. I mean, I have friends who are still deathly afraid of my mother because she was our door person at those. <laughs> but it wasn't exactly her that they were scared of. She. I had two two buddies who were like two hundred twenty, two fifty. Yeah. all muscle who just like stood behind her and if anybody <laughs> even looked at her wrong they would have just broken them in half <laughs> so how long did you play in that band for um it was probably like a year and a half we were that band uh, we started with another singer um, we played our very first show and both of the singers at the time like the the one outgoing sang a couple of songs and then the one incoming mm-hmm. did the rest of the set and we, but we had practiced for a really long time up to that point because we were all terrified of actually booking a show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then eventually, some friends of ours were like, "Hey, we've got a show. Do you want to open for us?" And we're like, "Yeah, sure, let's do it." And we finally just got out there and, and got over that hump. Yeah, yeah. Once you do that, get that first one under your belt. It's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna do more of this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's like that every time you start a band, right? Like, you're just like, when's the right time? Like, when are we ready? Yeah, when yeah, are, yeah. When's it? And it's it's always funny to me, like, you know, the current band was actually really weird because we started, well, I, I got brought into the band during the pandemic, so we couldn't yeah. play a show. But we ended up doing a few live streams and bringing people on, which actually turned out to be probably the best thing we could have done because oh, it was yeah. a great networking thing. You know, just like being able to call up a band in Ireland who you kind of half-ass know yeah. and be like, hey, you want to send us a couple songs? And they just would. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Because, yeah, I mean, that's the cool thing about the punk rock scene is, you know, like everyone's just out there to, you know, support each other for the most part, you know, support each other and, and just get out and do stuff. None of us none of us have any idea we're going to get rich. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if we were going to do that, we would definitely not be playing in the bands we're playing in. <laughs> Because yeah, it's always easy, it's, even back in the nineties, like just to, if you wanted to put a, together a compilation, all you had to do was ask, and people would be like, "Yeah, man, let me send you something," Never, with yeah. no expectations of of maybe not even getting a copy of it, but just just so they could get their music out there and get it get it heard. Yeah, that was actually the funny thing when um, when Chris was putting out the Smash the States mm-hmm. comp, and uh, he had another comp that we did. And that was, like, just as digital music was starting to become a thing. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it was like, hey, can we get you to sign a rights form? And bands are like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> we're like, look, we're not going to sell it. Like, nobody's going to make any money here. But, like, uh, these people on the internet tell us we have to have this form signed so yeah. that we can upload it to their site. <laughs> and it was like, you know, we're talking 2003, 2004. And, like, it was way ahead of... But we were like trying to track down punk rock kids, you know, like getting them to sign a form, which is like hurting cats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now that band happened in Florida. You were in that band in Florida. 
Yeah. Uh, is that yeah. the last band that you were in in Florida, or were you in more yeah, bands? Yeah, I, I don't know how long yeah, you I lived left, down there. I left in like 90, 95, 96, just as I graduated. Um, my now wife was in college in Savannah, so I moved up to Savannah. Didn't really do anything, um, and then we moved to Charlotte in 98, 99. Okay, yeah. And then I kind of bounced around, just, you know, didn't really meet anybody. Charlotte's a really hard place to meet people. <laughs> now, now, when you first moved to Charlotte, did you start going out to shows to see bands, like local bands play? or, or... Yeah, and that was kind of, you know, like, we, we were going to a lot of, you know, like, we were traveling all over the place because it was the only hobby we had. Like, we were, you know, just getting our first, like, real jobs, so we had mm-hmm. a little bit of money. So, like, we would go down to Columbia, New Brooklyn, we would go up to Winston to Ziggy's, yeah. we would go up where I am now um, in the triangle, whether it was, you know, Cat's Cradle or Go Go Studios, places like that. We were just constantly, every weekend, we were going somewhere to see something. Mm -hmm. Which drives young kids crazy now, because I'll tell them about the shows that I saw, you know, back in the day, and be like, you know, I saw this band in front of 12 people in New Brooklyn Tavern. (laughs) They're playing arenas now. Oh, yeah, yeah, really. It's crazy, some of the shows that I saw back in the day of bands that got big. Yeah, so you were going out to see shows, and you said you took you took you a while to meet meet people. Were you interested in playing in a band at that time, or just? I, I kind of was. I think like around two thousand, I finally bought another kit. Okay. Um, because I had kind of gotten rid of my kit. I wasn't sure what I was going to do, and I don't know if you remember, there was a weird drum museum slash drum shop up in Concord. Hmm. I have no idea what it, I don't remember what it was called, but it was the coolest shop. But they were closing, and I ended up going up there, and they made me a really sweet deal on the kit that is actually behind me right now. Okay, yeah, <laughs> um, that's my studio kit, and so like I bought that kit, and then I was like, well, I guess I should like be starting to play again, mm-hmm. and you know, like get my chops back up, and then I ended up meeting um this guy james who ran a very early internet radio station okay um called rock hell radio down in rock hill and he was going to a ton of shows and was introducing me to people and he's actually the person who introduced me to chris and ryan yeah uh, my so-called band and just at, like right at the right time when Loeb's was leaving yeah. and so we ended up kind of you know falling together and you know, lucky for me, I had gotten my chops up enough to keep up, but that was about all I could do. <laughs> it's hard when you play with two musicians who are that good and that well rehearsed. Yeah. I mean, those two had played together for so long. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, like, that was hard to kind of break into. Not just playing, but also just like, they were like family. You know, and I'm just like the snotty kid, and they were all quite a bit older than I was, and I was just a shithead just running around with a big mouth. (laughs) Chris telling me to calm down (laughs) all the time. when Loeb's was leaving so I, th- I my recollection is when they did the record release Loeb's played most of the set and I came on for like two songs yeah I think I think and, Ryan talked about that before yeah and then I, t- I took over from there and then we played we did one more EP and then Ryan ended up having to leave the band so Chris and I stuck together and formed Rogue Nations yeah. Um, which went through like a whole myriad of permutations. Yeah. <laughs> that band was just like constantly rotating. Um, so I play. I did the first EP with with them, 
and then I left, and then um, Keith took over when I left. Okay. Yeah, that was that was a really good band too. Um, I love Rogue Nations. Yeah, it's it's funny. I ended up so I did the first EP with them, and then when Luke joy came back to work with Chris again, and they had Keith, I actually did the recording and production for their first LP, "Be Your Own Rogue Nation." Okay. Now, why did you quit playing drums? Was it just? I so I had bought a cabinet shop and was going back to school. And there was just not enough hours in the day. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. So it was like, you know, I need to, I need to be, be a grown up at least a little bit as best as I can, and do this stuff, and then maybe I'll figure out. But it was a long time. I ended up, um, you know, I took a break for quite a few years, and then uh, joined a jam, jam-ish band when I moved to Noda. Okay. And we played together for four, five, probably like five years. Yeah. Now, now back to like playing with Chris Piegler. Do you have any 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 kind of stories about? Because I one person I would love to have interviewed for this podcast would have been Chris. Of course, you know yeah. he passed away several years ago, way way before this podcast was even an idea. So, uh, but but you know, yeah. and, and you, once I got it rolling, he's one of those that I'm going, man, I'd never, I'll never be able to have him on. But I will have some people on that that do have some stories about him or. or so um, since I have you on, just if there's anything you've got, like any kind of story you can think of, I don't want to put you on the spot or. No, and I, I love talking about Chris because like, you know, at that time in particular, he was just, he, A, he was the scene. Like he was at every show. Yeah. He was always, you know, like finding young bands and, you know, building them up and, you know, making sure that they got taken care of and they were doing stuff the right way and people were treating them, wet, you know, the right way. Um, and he taught me so much just about being a professional musician. Mm -hmm. Like, not that he was, you know, like this, you know, like super professional musician, but he carried himself in that way that, you know, he was, you know, he was always welcoming to people. He never looked down on anybody. Like we would sit in the van, you know, cause Chris was crazy. He never stayed the night anywhere. Yeah. Wherever we played, we were driving home that night. Um, it could be like a four-hour drive, and Chris is like, let's get in the van. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> and I don't even have to do the drive. Um, you know, Ryan would be passed out in the backseat, and I'd be up front. Um, and, you know, he would just talk about, you know, all, all the experiences that he had had because he got to go see The Clash, and he got to hang out in Vegas with, like, the adolescents and just, like, all these crazy bands. And... He had had all these great experiences, but he was just the most humble guy, you know, and every once in a while, he would just, like, really out of, like, you know, not any kind of bragging or anything, I, I am a I am a loudmouth who loves to talk about myself, so, like, it was always funny to, talking to Chris, and every once in a while, he would, like, let something weird slip, and he'd be like, wait a minute, you met who? I'd be like, yeah, I was at this thing, doing the thing, and I, you know, I ended up bumping into, you know, like, Jack from TSOL, and we got to be buddies, and, uh, which is how we ended up opening for TSOL one time. Yeah. Uh, but it was just, it, it was stuff like that, but, like, seeing him interact with, like, you know, young people who would come into the scene, you know, maybe their parents dropped them off mm -hmm. at the show because they were like 14, 15 years old. And Chris would just like be the person that they could talk to about the scene and like, you know, not, you know, like help them kind of understand what was going on and not, you know, ridicule them for not knowing what was going on. Yeah. And I learned so much of that kind of stuff. Like, I try to carry all of that through. Um, I can be catty at times, so, like, I don't always pull it off. But, you know, just to have Chris in the back of my head all the time, just, like, be cool, you know? Like, talk nice to people. Yeah. <laughs> don't be a nerd. Yeah, he was, that's exactly the way he was. I mean, and, and he wanted to welcome everybody into the scene to make sure that you felt comfortable because he wanted you to be a part of it. Yeah, Absolutely. The, the scene could use more people like him. Although we don't have as Absolutely. many kids like that coming out to shows anymore. It's just that that doesn't happen. There's not a lot of all ages things happening. They're, yeah. they're, they're doing them. They're, they're, there are house shows where there are a lot of kids going to those things. But you just don't. Yeah. It's not like they're coming out to the milestone or that they are occasionally. But just like not not like it was back then. Yeah, it's. I was actually thinking about that. We played an all ages show in Charleston last week. And it was at, it's not really a house venue, but it's kind of a house venue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just like this house building in an old neighborhood, and he's got like an art space, and then there's a little venue in the back. And it's all ages, no alcohol, mm -hmm. like, 
and it was a ton of young kids out there, and I was like, man, I remember shows like this. And it was cool. It's a little weird, because now I'm in my mid-40s, and like every once in a while I catch myself like, all right, I'm old enough to be all these kids' dads. <laughs> um, so that's weird. You know? So you have to carry that around with you a little bit. But you know, it's, it's nice to see that there's still that. But you're right. You know, the, those of us that grew up and now play a lot of, there aren't a lot of all-ages venues. Mm-hmm. And so you don't get that crossover of kind of the older scene and the, the younger scene like we used to, like in the Tremont days. Yeah, yeah. Because there used to be a lot more all-ages things. It just, venues won't touch it these days. I mean, they don't they don't want to do it. Yeah. I guess partially because of insurance reasons, or there's probably a lot of reasons that I'm not aware of. But there, there's going to be one this this coming Sunday at Skylark in Charlotte. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that goes. I'm, I'm hoping a lot of younger people come out. I do know that there's some young bands playing around Charlotte that do house shows, and then when they play the Milestone, they pack it out. So, you know, yeah. I guess as long as, I guess they're still 18 and up at the Milestone. But it's it's nice to know they're out there. I just, I haven't really kind of cracked that yet. And I guess that's something I need yeah. to get into. Yeah, it, it is hard to, I mean, and we're, my band is such a, my current band is such an odd, like, age-wise. Because, mm-hmm. like, I'm in my mid-40s, our bass player is 27. Yeah. So it's actually kind of like I I'm Chris now yeah. in this band. I'm the old guy who's just like hanging out and doing the thing, and I've got this kid who's like young enough to be my child, yeah. which is terrifying. <laughs> I joke with him all the time. I have a I have a symbol that I've played longer than he's been alive. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably true, <laughs> or close <Yeah>. to it. <laughs> yep. So he's like, "Don't talk to me like that." I'm like, "Shut up, baby." <laughs> But yeah, no, it, it is. I, I would love to because I I miss kind of that energy of like kids that are just finding punk rock for the first time yeah. or like they're new to it. Like there's that just an energy to that where they not to not to be weird about it, but like they feel like they discovered something brand new, even though it's something we have all been doing for 20, 30 yeah, yeah, years. Yeah. Well, it's, but like, I mean, we, we did the same thing, I, right? Like, I was going to say it's the same for us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, like we, we found that band that did it for us, you know, back in the day. And, you know, it was brand new for us because we were young and we didn't know any better. Yeah. So to see that energy, I think is awesome. Like I love getting to play in front of people who are just you kind know, of kind of coming into the scene yeah. and aren't jaded. I am and grumpy and standing in the back with their arms crossed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think what Van Huskins needs to do is we need to stop playing with the same bands we've been playing with forever, and we need to start playing with some of these younger bands and and, and seeing that, that those crowds. Yeah, it, it's hard. Like it be, it, they're their own scene though, so that's harder to you know. We're I'm trying in the same boat. Like I'm trying to reach out, and it's part of it is too like coming out of COVID, like even understanding who band you know, like who are the bands these days. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> like, true. Because there there haven't been flyers at the record shops. There haven't been you know like these things kind of telling you who's doing what. Mm-hmm. So everybody's just kind of like trying to figure it out. Yeah, and I felt like that last year, too, that it's the same thing happened. Like, I wasn't sure who survived. And then there was, you know, a, yeah. a few months where we could play a bunch of shows. And I'm like, okay, that band made it, that band that made it, that band made it. Mm-hmm. There were still some bands I didn't see that may still be playing out there that I don't know about. But then, then of course, then we had that the next wave, the Omicron variant. And and so now we're going to be coming out of it again going, okay, now who, who's, a, who's still a band now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we were, we were booking, um, we're playing in Charlotte in May. And I kind of like, you know, was looking around, who am I going to do it with? And I thought about trying to reach out to some of the newer bands, but, you know, I, A, it's my birthday, so, like, I wanted to play with friends, yeah. so we, we ended up booking Evergone, who are, you know, buddies from oh, the yeah. neighborhood. Yeah, I know them. And, you know, they're old, crusty bastards like I am, so, you know, it'll be, it'll be what it be. But, you know, we joke. We don't bring a big crowd, but with a crowd we bring, they drink a lot. So the bars are happy with us. Yeah. So <laughs> when is that show? We'll go ahead and put that, that date out there. And where where is it at? Uh, May 21st at Petra's. Okay. Yeah. We're, I was trying to do it at neighborhood or at uh, Muse, but they had a they had a hold already. Yeah. Um, it would have been fun to go back to the old neighborhood. But I love Blossom Midwood as much as I love Noda, so yeah. it's okay. Petra's is an awesome place. I love playing there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is a cool spot. It's a, it's a strange spot for punk rock, but we do it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, they are definitely kind of they they lean a little harder into the indie indie side of it, but I, it's a cool room. So I think the the, um, the the strangest thing about it is just it's harder to get people to come out down there, and I, I don't know why. Um, at least the last time yeah. we played, but of course the last time we played out there, it was also 
things were starting to get bad again. And, and we, we had a show like right at the beginning of I'm trying to remember. I think it was, I think it's September, but it was just things were starting to, I think the, the mask mandate went back into effect and people started yeah. checking, people started checking COVID vaccine cards and, and people were just kind of reluctant to go out at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we played like our very first show was actually with Evergon at uh, the evening muse. And it was in June, 20, 20, 20, 2021, 21. Yeah. Yeah. It must've been 21. Um, so yeah. So like that was, you know, we were all like, it was originally supposed to be an outdoor show mm-hmm. that, but it started raining and it just became a whole thing. But we were like, who's going to show up to this thing, but <laughs> it ended up being okay. I mean, and that's been the whole thing. Like, I mean, you know, it, it's always such a crap shoot now. Oh, like yeah. we went down to, we did Charleston in Florida last weekend and both of those shows, again, actually the Florida show was crazy because it was kind of a house show again. Like it, yeah. was, a, it was out in the middle of nowhere and we're out on a ranch in the middle of central Florida. And I'm like, so this is how I die. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> at least I'm back in Florida. Um, but it was all super young kids yeah. just like, and it was such a cool vibe, you know? So, but we were just like, who's going to show up to this? Yeah. But it was Florida, so we're like, ah, they don't care. Yeah. <laughs> mentioned a, a jam band that you played in for a little while what was the name of that band uh so that was a band called broken napoleons okay um we mostly played like brewery shows yeah and it was like three hour sets oh yeah yeah which which was fun was hard but i did learn you do make good money doing that <laughs> yeah that's what i've heard <laughs> <laughs> i was like they're like yeah we're gonna give you 500 dollars. i was like wait you're gonna what <laughs> And the two guys I played with, they come from that scene, and they were like, "Yeah, you get paid to do this." I was like, "Oh hell, I'm, I'm not used to that." Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, we uh, we did we did one record that we actually released that was actually hilarious because we rented an old funeral home mm-hmm. that had gone out of business, and we rented it for a month and recorded the first record in there. Okay. Don't 
kind of cool. And then um, the second record, which we actually never released, we spent a fortune on. Um, we actually recorded with Chris Garges okay. uh, at Old House, who recently passed, yeah. which was really sad. Oh, um, yeah. He was such a, he was such a good dude. And that record sounds amazing, and we just never did anything with it. Yeah. <laughs> it was a bummer, but we were, you know, we were breaking. I don't. We knew we were breaking up because our bass player was leaving. Mm-hmm. But we were like, well, we have all this money that we've saved up from playing these dumb brewery shows. Let's just go make a record. <laughs> My wife's like, "You're gonna do what?" I was like, "Yeah, we're just gonna spend it all on making a record. We're gonna make a really good record. No one's ever gonna hear it. It's gonna be fine." <laughs> And you mentioned Chris Garges. I, I never, I never knew him. Never got to work with him. But by all accounts, he was a super, super good dude, and, and will be missed yeah. for sure. Yeah, I was really hoping that this band would get to do a, a session with him because you know, like his his musical knowledge, like he, you know, he specialized in that you know, like that jam bandy sound, whether it was you know, like mm-hmm. one version of it or another. But I thought he could have done a really good job because he does come from kind of that background. Like he's played all kinds of stuff and you know it was it was really rough to you know see that he had passed yeah he did the uh the no anger control cd um weapons of mass destruction or something like i can't remember what, what it was called but he did that he did that cd and it and just punk rock it, oh, sounds, nice. it sounds great so yeah he definitely could do it yeah yeah all those genres yeah i mean and that's kind of the we had uh the new ep for this band um we used Dave Harris down in Charlotte uh, to master it because he did all of the the stuff for us at in my so-called band. He just all, did always did a great job, so it was nice to be able to work with him again and be like, "Hey, Dave, how's it going?" <laughs> so after that band broke up, did you play with anybody else, or did you take another break? No, I ended up taking. Well, so I kind of came in and out of a band called Hello Handshake, okay, who were around for a few years. I had started that band with the original the the three other original members um and we played one show as that lineup and then i left mm-hmm. i don't even remember why i just i i think i had way overcommitted myself again and like was in two bands yeah. and i was like you know and so they ended up going on to make a couple of records they were great like they ended up as like a seven piece i think by the time they were done okay um, but when they were getting ready to play their last show, their drummer just refused to do it for whatever reason. I don't remember why. Um, I don't know if he was just so out of town or just was bummed by the whole thing and just didn't want to do it. Yeah. So I ended up sitting in at their very last show. Okay. <laughs> um, and that was a marathon of like having to relearn those songs because that was way more complicated stuff than I was used to. Yeah. Um, they were kind of like they sounded a lot like uh, bands like Pinback and stuff like that. Okay, like it was yeah. definitely more indie, more intricate yeah, um, yeah. sounds. Um, so yeah, that was that was ended up being super fun. But that was, I think, the only thing I was doing. And then I stopped playing for a few years, and then we ended up moving up to Durham um, right before COVID. And I was like, I need to, I need to start playing again. Okay. Like otherwise, I'm gonna go insane. Yeah. And it's a great way to meet people. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, so I, I tried out with a few bands and, you know, met people, started a band that never went anywhere. Um, you know, we had like five or six practices and just like, we're like, this isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. Like, we're just not on the same wavelength. And ended up going to the first practice for Flamingos. And the guitar player from that original project was in <laughs> Flamingos. And I was like, hey, Elliot, how's it going? And we high-fived, and we were like, all right, cool, let's do this thing. It'll be fun. So, yeah, like, you know, we've been really lucky, or I've, I guess I've been really lucky. Um, you know, uh, there's a guy up here named Scotty Sandwich mm-hmm. um, who's in those people. And he's kind of a people connector. So, you know, I knew people who knew him, and they're like, hey, when you move to Durham – Look up Scotty. He'll he'll kind of show you the ropes and introduce you to people. And yeah. so that was really good because he he introduced me to the to the guys for from Flamingos. Um, Brian and I both go to fests pretty regularly, so we kind of knew who each other were, mm-hmm. but we didn't know each other. Um, and then I heard through the grapevine that they were looking for a drummer. Uh, right, you know, like kind of as COVID was hitting, and so we kind of you know talked on online and stuff and then finally like as it started to ease up that first time we we're like well we could probably have a couple practices yeah, and see if yeah. it, see how it goes 
Um, and that was it. You know, it was like, oh, we're all cool, so let's let's do this. Yeah. And then, yeah, like, our only band goal was to play fast, and we played fast last year, and now we're like, well, what's our next goal? Well, let's play fast. <laughs> play fast but again. With a, yeah. <laughs> well, we, like, now it's like, well, we, pl- the, we played last year, and we ha- played one of the very small venues, and mm-hmm. we had to bring all of our gear down, so now it was like, well, let's see if we can get on one of the backline stages so we don't have to bring all our crap with us. Yeah. <laughs> That's when we'll know we made it. Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> I don't know. I, I like playing through my own gear. <laughs> Every time I end up... I, I do too. I, that, I, am, I am bad about that. Like, my kit is pretty particular. It's not, like, super particular, but, like, I have weird heights partially because I'm 6'2". Mm-hmm. Um, so like I have stuff in weird places. Yeah. It's a normal four piece kit, but like I just need stuff so much higher than most other people. Yeah. Uh, and I don't always like adjusting every, you know, someone else's kit. Yeah. Trust me. <laughs> I, my, our drummer's the same way. He's like, man, I just like to sit a certain height. And I like this in a certain place and this in a certain place. He's like, I just don't want to mess with anybody else's stuff. But every now and then, just like me, every now and then I'll go, yeah, I'll use your bass amp. But as soon as we're done with the show, it's like, man, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, yeah, our and, bass players, our bass player will use whatever bass amp anybody gives him. He's like, I'm not carrying mine. I don't care. And it's not even that that particular, but it doesn't matter what amp I play through. It just never sounds right to me. So I'm just like, I'm just taking mine from now on. And Ben's the same way. He's like, I'm just going to take my drums. But every now and then we yeah. just, we play one of those one of those shows where it just doesn't work for us to tear down and set up, and you end up having to having to do it. Yeah. I, I will almost always because I've got a I've got a crappy road kit that I you know just use to abuse. So I will almost always volunteer mine as the backline kit if they want a backline. Yeah. <laughs> then at least I know well, like it's it's mine and I'm happy. I was gonna say that that's rare too because I know our drummer doesn't like to do that. He doesn't like other people playing on his kit. He's like, man, I don't want. And that's to- why I have the road kit. Like I'm just like I don't care what happens that thing. I bought it. Um, I bought it. I guess once we decided this was going to be a real band and like we were going to do stuff, um, I found a doctor who thought he was going to learn how to play drums or his kid was going to learn how to play drums through COVID. Mm-hmm. So was basically giving it away on Craigslist. Yeah, yeah. So I got, you know, like a de- pretty decent um, Pearl export kit with a bunch of Zildjian cymbals that, you know, not even the bottom of the line stuff for like 600 bucks. I was like, I can't turn that down. So it's my beater kit. Yeah. It's wrapped. I don't care what happens to it. It's fine. I think I think our, our drummer needs to do the opposite thing, and he needs to make his current kit his road kit, and he needs to get a good kit to keep in the practice room and, and for the studio. I, I keep I keep yeah. I keep complaining about that, and he's like, "I love my kit." <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got a birch kit that I use for for recording a lot of the times, and it's a fusion kit, so it's a little ten inch and a fourteen inch, yeah. and my road kit is a big, you know, like twelve and sixteen, so it. it Makes a much bigger sound, yeah, yeah, uh, than than the other one, so it cuts through a little bit more. Yeah, but I like the little I like the little drums for recording because I feel like they cut through recording a lot better. Yeah, um, I don't really you know like the the floor doesn't it interfere with the what the bass drums doing or what the the bass player's doing and the tom cuts through with just that little ping, um, rather than just like big boomy stuff or really ticky tacky. Um, to make them cut through, you know, they end up, it's like all like high mids and I'm just like, I don't want that. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the, the new recording a little bit. Plastic yeah. Fingers is putting out. That, that's it's three songs, the EP. Yeah. Yeah. It is the first of what is supposed to be four EPs we're going to do this year. Okay. Um, it's it's uh, Flamingo, A Go-Go. This one is obviously volume one. Um, and then the hope is to get out volume two, three, and four. Um, we actually already have the recording time set up for two. We're gonna. This will be the first time we go to another studio. The first record we did, the full length, we recorded with Scotty mm-hmm. uh, at the sandwich shop, and then the first EP we recorded with him. We've done a couple of other things, like we did a uh, one-off Jimmy Buffett cover for a compilation yeah. last year. Yeah. And then this April, we're going to go and work with uh, Pedro, who is in uh, some friends of ours, Shot Clock, and then he's also in Ann Beretta. Okay. Oh, yeah. A band called Fun Size. Yeah. So he's in like 400 other bands. Um, so he's going to, he's got a studio up in Richmond. So we're going to go up there and record the next three with him. Okay. We've been demoing 
for the last few weeks trying to get those all ready to go. But yeah, first one's out. It's going to come out April 1st. Uh, we have tapes on the way. We actually just got the test tape. Um, came yesterday, actually. So Brian tested it, made sure it was all right. Yeah. So we'll those here. So as soon as those show up, then we'll do uh, Bandcamp, you know, like sale or whatever for, for those and carry them around on tour. And I'll probably have a box of them in my house in perpetuity because yeah. that's... <laughs> That's how it happens when you do physical media. <laughs> got boxes of seven inches. I've got boxes of LPs. I've got boxes of CDs for every band I've ever been. <laughs> I might have to hit you up then and get some copies of some of that stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'll definitely get one of those cassettes when it comes out. Uh, and I, I like the fact that you're still doing physical media because I think I think everybody there's a lot of bands that have kind of given up on it, and, and unless they're putting out records. You know, everybody, yeah. everybody wants to put out and a record. Vinyl's but. just a mess right now. We we wanted to, but the the whole thing with the Adele record just completely, mm-hmm. you know, boxing up everybody. We looked at it and it was a thirty nine week lead time for a seven inch, and I was like, no, yeah, I'm not yeah. waiting that long. <laughs> <laughs> Tapes are fine. Like, I mean. You know, the truth of it is, most people, if they're going to buy physical media, it's more that they just want to support your band. Exactly, yeah. You know, they're going to listen to it on whatever streaming service they use, Mm -hmm. you know, whether, you know, so for the most part, like, it's about them just investing in the band. Yeah. And, you know, for us to do, be able to do artwork and that kind of stuff, that's the part that I thought was fun. Um, So the, I, what we wanted to do was tie all the EPs together. So we took a photo of ourselves um, actually in front of my crappy VW bus and we sent it off to my friend Susan, who's in Faye. She's a fantastic visual artist as well as being just a ridiculously good musician. Um, She's way too talented. So I was like, Hey, would you, you know, like be willing to do a, you know, a sketch version of this. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, that'd be fun. So now what we're going to do is we're going to send that same picture to a different artist friend of ours. Okay. And have them do a rendition of that same picture. So they kind of thematically all go together, but it's not, you know, the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that'll be fun. You know, we get to support friends of ours, um, you know, give them a couple bucks, get their, you know, their artwork out. And then we get to get something that's kind of cool. And so we did a sticker, a die cut sticker of part of it as well. So everybody who buys a tape will get a die cut sticker yeah. of the cover, essentially. Also, yeah, that's cool. So I love merch. Yeah, I, I just I, I'm in a place in my life that I can kind of throw money at my band. Um, yeah, you know, because I've got a decent day job, so it's nice to be able to just do dumb shit mm-hmm. and just be like, hey, let's get die cut stickers. They're sixty bucks. Perfect. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm the same way. I, I, I love, I, and I love it when a band has merch that I can buy because I want to do that. I want to support the band, and most of the time I'm actually going to listen to it. But of course, I'm probably going to listen to you on on, on streaming as well. Uh, yep. But I, I just think, you know, why not do it? I mean, yeah, you might get stuck with a few of them, but it's 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 worth having them for the for the collectors out there, for the people that go because everybody's gonna say, "Hey, man, do you have a CD or do you have a you know whatever?" Mm-hmm. And that's just somebody that just wants to give you some money because they like your band. Yeah, and these days, like. You know, that little bit of extra cash if you're on tour or out on the road, like, gas is just killing us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I imagine so. If you're traveling right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That The Florida show just absolutely brutalized us. But, you know, I was like, again, you know, we're in a place where we have day jobs and it's we can do it. You yeah. know, it's, it's more like going on vacation and hanging out with your friends than it is, you know, it's definitely not a money-making venture. Like we talked about earlier, like if I wanted to make money, I wouldn't be playing punk rock. That's for sure. Yeah. It's just an expensive hobby that you got. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It definitely is that. And my wife, every once in a while, I'll be like, what are we doing? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just, you know, having a midlife crisis. It's fine. Well, I mean, there are other people that they, they get into cars or, or get into golf or whatever else. They're, yep. they're throwing money away, too, just for something that to pass the time. So it's the same right, thing. Right. Somehow it is more acceptable when you're in your 40s to throw money away at golf than it is in being in a band. Yeah. And I don't know why that is. <laughs> But I'm here to change it. <laughs> um, so when you record the, you said you're going to record the, the next three up in Virginia. You're going to record them all the, at the same time and just release them separately, or? Well, we'll do. So we're doing three songs each. So when we do the the Virginia recording, it'll be the next three songs. So it'll be the next EP. Okay. 
the hope is like I want to record each of these at a different studio also. Okay. Like I want them to kind of be their own standalone thing that are, you know, it's cohesive because it's the same band and it's us, you know, doing what we do, but you know, we're a relatively new band. We're trying to figure out some stuff also, mm-hmm. right? Like who do we work best with? Who can get the best sound for us who you know kind of we work with best i mean we know we work really well with scotty um but it's great to get out and kind of get somebody else's idea of like hey if you guys did this you know it would do this yeah um so it's great to be able to do that um and you know doing three songs with somebody we can do it in a day Mm -hmm. for the most part you know the we, we did um, I, I've got a small studio set up here, um, and Brian has a small studio set up at his house, so he'll record the guitars to click, and then I'll record a demo, and then we'll go back and forth, um, get everybody's tracks on there, make sure it works, and then when we did this EP, we sent the click track to Scotty, and then I just recorded to that, mm. um, because I've got a little... I've, got a little bit more flexibility in my schedule so i could do it like on a wednesday afternoon you know which is when you know most studios are like begging that somebody come in because everybody wants to be friday saturday sunday yeah yeah um so it's like if i can get in there on a tuesday or wednesday or whatever you know it makes it a little easier for him and then i can get in there and nobody's bothering me i don't feel pressured because the rest of the band is staring at me like hey can you get done so we can do our (laughs) stuff yeah you know um, That's why we just like to go in there and just record it live, and then yeah, then do and, and we did that with the we did that with the first one, um, and it came out good. Uh, we just wanted to experiment with what it would be like to use a click. I, I've, um, I've said the same thing about my band, but the the drummer is real reluctant to do it. And I'm like, come on, man, let's just smart. we're going to have to do it at some point, or we should try to do it at some point to record. To yeah, track and we tried to do it live with click, and that was way too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, there was just way too many moving parts. Yeah, yeah. So. Like, we ha- we had I had Brian record all the parts over click, and then I could practice to that, mm-hmm. and I, so I knew what it was going to sound like every time. Like I didn't have to you know think about whether or not he was going to throw in a spare note that was going to throw me off. I knew it was going to hit every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it still took a while because I'm not the best drummer, but you know at least you know it's you can hear that it's a little tighter. Um, because of that, yeah. um, so I think that was nice. So the plan is to try to do that again um, when we record the CP, and then we may go back and you know record the next one live just to see what that's like again. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's kind of the nice thing about being a band that nobody really listens to is we get the freedom to do whatever we want. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully at some point people are like, "Hey, that's not bad." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's that's it. Yeah. Well, I'm looking for. I've already heard it, so I know a lot of people are probably looking forward to hearing it. But I've I've heard it. It's it's a good good EP. I really dig it. So I'm looking forward to, looking forward to hearing all the rest of it, the rest of the the next three that come out, and whatever else you put out in the future. Um, yeah, the the next three songs are pretty much done. Um, Brian's still tightening up lyrics. We've got one that's fully done um, that I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's got a great hook on it. Um, so, and that's, you know, I think that's what Brian does really well is he does write really great hooks and, um, like, uh, the song, how you've been on the new EP. Like we, as soon as, as soon as Brian wrote that, we all went, Oh, yeah. that's a good song. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely very, so. very catchy, very catchy music. Uh, like pop punk, I guess is best descriptor for it. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it's funny. Like we were trying to figure out, um, you know, like every band, I would say, like we were trying to put together one sheet and like, how do we describe ourselves? Which is always hard. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're we're always like, well, you know, are are we Jimmy Buffett inspired pop punk? Are we this? <laughs> are we that? So yeah, I mean, it's it's always rough when you're a musician. People are like, well, what do you sound like? And it's like, I don't know. <laughs> Sounds like music. Yeah. I, I just. You know. that's that's the struggle is trying to figure it out so i usually i just boil it down into, into as easy a terms as I, as I can you know yeah and so yeah i mean we kind of like we're like we're beachy pop punk yeah. like that's kind of where we where we roll but it's funny because like pop punk itself has become such a like different thing from like oh, yeah. what we yeah, grew up yeah. with as pop punk i guess i should and we even are I should say like '90s style punk rock. I mean pop punk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you kind of have to, right? Because we were actually having this argument in the 
you know, as you do when you're in a band and in a van for eight hours together, you end up having these idiotic arguments about whatever. Um, and we were having an argument about like, you know, what are the descendants? Yeah. Like, <laughs> are they like, you know, East West coast hardcore? Are they, I was like, no, they're just the first pop punk band. Yeah. <laughs> like they just are, you know, outside of, you know, like the Ramones being kind of like bubblegum punk, mm-hmm. like, you know, and then like I think of the descendants as like just the progenitors of all that is pop punk these days, yeah. and you know from from them on. But yeah, so that was a fun argument because I love talking about like genres and subgenres and sub <laughs> subgenres and just like getting way down into the weeds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> about that i didn't think about to ask i mean no i think that's about it that is uh my life in punk rock in 50 minutes or less well (laughs) we'll have to meet in person someday and we'll have to get a a show together van huskins and and plastic flamingos that would be a a good good bill sometime we can do it here we can do it up there we need to get out of town so we might be we might be looking (laughs) to you to help us set up a show up up in your area Cool, because gas is expensive. <laughs> Y'all can pay it. Um, I've, got, yeah, I've, I've I mean, got friends that live up there that I need to come see anyway, so I can kill two birds with one stone and make it worth the gas. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, um, yeah. we've got uh, uh, our next show in Charlotte, at least, is that May 21st show. Yep. Um, we're playing in, up here the night before because Brian and I's birthdays are back-to-back. He's, he's is the 20th, and I'm the 21st, mm-hmm. so we're going to do back-to-back birthday shows. Okay. Um, we're playing with Sibinac and uh, Shot Clock up here, and then um, Evergone and Shot Clock down in Charlotte. A um, couple of shows sprinkled in between. We do a DC run um, in beginning of April, and then yeah, we're starting to fill out the summer yeah. uh, a little bit, a little bit, and kind of waiting to hear back from Fest to see if we'll be down in Florida in October, which is always fun. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. It's a good time. Yeah. We need we need to – I've been really, really slow to start booking shows. We need to probably get on that, start looking at doing some out-of-town shows. And we need to start looking at trying to do something like Fest down the road because I've told Eric, I said, we're not going to go anywhere if we just stay here in Charlotte. <laughs> like, we got to get out and let, no. let people hear us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I, I love that adventure, like, you know, just getting out and seeing what other scenes are like, talking to people, you know, seeing what's going on in another city – what stupid snack foods do they have at their convenience stores? Yeah. Just like all, all that stuff. I I like the adventure of it. Yeah. You know, I don't know that I'm built to be like a touring musician. Like I don't know that I want to do it all the time. But man, weekend runs are the best. Yeah, well, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> we're talking about trying to do that. We've got a couple of things kind of holding us up, but we're we're thinking about maybe trying to do that this summer. Like do it a weekend run and seeing how it goes. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you guys want to come up here, let us know. Heck yeah. We'll do that. And so just let everybody know they can find the music at, is it what, plasticflamingos.bandcamp.com? Yep, absolutely. All right. Find it there. They're on Facebook, probably on Instagram, everywhere. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Spotify, Apple Music, all of that stuff. You can find it out. Yeah, on all the streaming services as well. Yep. All right, well, cool. I appreciate it. Um, I'll get this all edited up. Are you ready for the summer? Are you ready for the sunshine? Are you ready for the birds and bees? The apple trees and a whole lot of pulling around. Are you ready for the summer? Are you ready for the hot nights? Are you ready for the fireflies? The moonlit skies and a whole lot of pulling around. No more pencils, no more books. No more teachers, dirty books. No more math and history. Summertime has set us free. Are you ready for the summer? Are you ready for the good times? Are you ready for some love and fun? And the sun and the summer is ready for you. No more pencils, no more books. No more teachers, dirty books. No more math and history. Summertime has set us free Are you ready for the summer? Are you ready for the sunshine? Are you ready for the birds and bees? The apple trees and a whole lot of pulling around Are you ready for the summer? Are you ready for the good times? Are you ready for some love and fun? In the sun and the summer is ready for you This has been a Gabba Gabba Hunt Media Production